loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Kenya Asa. Kenya is a yoga, te- yoga teacher and also has a master's degree in counseling psychology. Her specialty is creating healing spaces for people who've experienced emotional or physical traumas, often using the creative arts to support the journey of healing and self-discovery. Kenyon's experience as a women's trauma counselor and spirituality group facilitator led to her first book, Sacred Girl, Spiritual Life Skills for Conscious Young Women, and her training in anatomy, womb wellness, and women's sexuality inspired her yoga class, Pussy Yoga with Kenya. Her second book, Emotional Sahara, The Barren Desert of the American Wife, will be released in 2024. She's the co-host of the weekly radio show, The Anything Can Happen Show, and you can find her at her website, rubyenvywellness.com. Welcome, Kenya. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. It's so good to see you. So good to see you. Full disclosure, we've known each other for quite a while now. You were quite the a while. first on my first um 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago when I first started the show. And that's we were incredible. Together. And so yeah. we know each other. We have kind of concentric circles, but I'm really happy to be able to spend this hour and really dive into what you do, why you do it, how it connects with grief and transformation. Mm-hmm. Wonder if you could start by just sharing with the listeners. Uh, how you came to do what you do? Mm-hmm. You got it. Uh, sure. Um, so I was a social worker, a children's social worker for Alameda County um, for something along the lines of twenty years. And prior to that, I was a, a trauma counselor at a residential rehab for uh, adolescents. And so. During the process of me being a trauma counselor, I had to learn things that were not taught to me in grad school. You know, like I I had all these uh, kids, my particular caseload was girls with trauma or that had been diagnosed with PTSD. And I remember thinking the things that I know are not working the things that I have been taught are not working. Um, the kids would, I would, you know, try something academic and the kids would cuss me out. Like, this is just not, and I was like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> like, why am I even here? An accident of fate that you ended up working with traumatized young people, or can you see some through lines that might've drawn you to that work in the first place? You know, I, at this point, I I still find it to be kind of a mystery, but I believe that everything happens for a reason. And 
when I saw the job, you know, there was a job listing for that. I had just been hired to work at Planned Parenthood, but I had not started that job yet. And so I got the job um, listing and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go for this, but it did not mention that my caseload would be girls with PTSD. It just was like an adolescent rehab and I would be a counselor, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, okay, that doesn't, that I think I can do that. And then when I got there, the lady who would become my boss interviewed me and then asked me to come back for another interview the next day. And I was like, great, this is looking good. But she didn't mention the specifics of the job, (laughs) which was probably smart on her part. Um, And so, you know, when she hired me, she's like, okay, well, this is what you're going to be doing. You're going to be basically running this program for uh, girls that have, it's a specific program at that agency. And I was like, okay, but I still, I said, okay, but I still literally had no idea what I was doing. But I, and I wrote in the acknowledgments of my first book, Sacred Girl, um, when I was thanking her for that job, I said, well, she must have seen something that I didn't see or known something that I didn't know. And it turned out really well. And so when I decided to do a a creative spirituality group, so to speak, um, because none of the other things I was doing to help my girls was really doing what it was supposed to do, um, I said, there's got to be other, there's got to be something I'm not thinking about. And so I just started doing a lot of research and talking to other people, talking to adults that had been traumatized or been through, you know, some of one or two of them actually worked there because I was like, I am baffled. And so in that research and things like that, I started um, coming up with a bunch of tools and, and um, started doing yoga with them, which is kind of where my yoga journey started. And, uh, and, it was learning as I went. So. And you weren't, uh, you weren't so intimidated by it. You know, the, the possible mistake that she could have been making Mm -hmm. to, if you don't uh, tell the person that that's what they're going to be working with, um, it could happen that, that, that just freezes the person she just hired. Uh, yes. Right? Yeah. Really been averse. I mean, I don't know if there's any person of color in the US who isn't traumatized in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And had the experiences that they'd had, apparently. Right. So sure. that turned out badly. She was very lucky or <laughs> she had instincts, but uh it's an odd choice to make, isn't it? Just leave that part out. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, and I don't know, and I don't think I ever found out if she had interviewed other people or if she'd had other people in that position that didn't work out. I don't know if I ever found that out. <clears throat> but also, listen, we live in the Bay Area and your girl needed a job, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't going to take it down once you got it. <laughs> Absolutely not. I was like, I had been, um, 
working in a friend's restaurant under the table, you know, in between grad school and this job. And then I was like, yay, I got this job at Planned Parenthood. But then as soon as I got this other job, I I told Planned Parenthood I wasn't going to take that that job. And it was, you know, of course, one of the best things that ever happened to me. So I I, I love that I <clears throat> um you know, if I look back on my life, there was this sea change moment when my wife died, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See that other things also led to, you know, each thing builds on itself. So you mm -hmm. worked there, you got, I mean, nobody ever gets comfortable with trauma, but you figured mm -hmm. out how to work with it, right? Um, right. What yes for this particular group of people that you were trying to be there for and mm -hmm. then imagine that that really contributed to how you did working with um the social work system that you know the um, yes so tell tell us about that a little bit we're, we're kind of building the block sure. of your yeah. career aren't we well i did get comfortable with it actually um and I found that it was my wheelhouse somehow. Mm. I don't know how, but I did find out that that was my thing. And, and I was as shocked as anybody else. Um, and I think I did handle it differently maybe than some other people. I do think, and I've said this many times, even as a social worker, when you're talking about working in children and family services, which is what I did. And there's obviously a lot of trauma and neglect and things that can really stick with us as workers. And I think that what you discover is that there are some people who can do that and there are some people who cannot do that. And I ended up being one of the people who could. And as it turns out, what happens sometimes and what definitely happened for me is that I would get new clients and I would hear their story. I would do some supervision with my boss and she would introduce like, you've got this new girl coming in and tell me why they were there and, and everything like that. And what I found was that I was getting more and more desensitized. You know, you when I first got the job, I would hear my new kid's story. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is horrendous. And, you know, cause I was new to it, you know? And then I realized- You and gut, huh? Yes. Oh, what 100% because things happen to people out there in the world that I had never, it had never even occurred to me that some of the stuff I heard and the kids, the experiences that I worked with, I had never heard of some of those things, which is why they, one, you know, one of the factors that made them end up where they were. And what I found was that as I got closer to the end of my career there, a few, however many years in, I was less shocked and less, you know, gobsmacked you know, mm. and I don't know if that's really a good place to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if I really wanted to be desensitized to those kinds of 
horrors. You know, yes, you do have to protect yourself um, emotionally, especially if you're somebody like me who's super lovey and motherish. And I wasn't even a mother at that time, but those were like my babies, you know, and they still are, even though they're much, much older and adults with kids of their own. Uh, and some of them even went into the same field, you know, and so um, I think that it was time for me to move on because I had kind of become, you know, this isn't as shocking anymore. And I had to take a look at what was going on with me. And if I wanted to be able to stay effective with my clients, with the kids that I worked with, um, I, I didn't think I could do that if I did not stay shocked if that makes any sense oh it, it oh. does i appreciate yeah. you talk about that because the delicate balance where it's really important to let it affect you yeah mm -hmm. it's so really important not to keep it as your own right right, right. That delicate delicate balance and maybe you're you know you were um oversaturated and and started not feeling it and that, totally when, yeah. when i'm having that that sense where i'm i i need to do something to take care of myself right because that's right. called um checked out in a way right right well and i hadn't gotten to that point yet i did later when i started working at um Alameda County Children's Services, I did get to the point where I said, oh, I have to take care of myself, <laughs> you know, but it took me a long time to get to that point because the mindset of somebody in that field is thinking about the kids because they're kids, you know, prioritizing the kids and prioritizing taking care of them and making sure that they're okay. And what can you do next to help them to the next level and then help them to get out of their situation. And I hadn't really thought that much about myself until I got to, um, until I was at the county, I was a child abuse investigator um, and uh, my hair started falling out mm -hmm. from stress. And I was like, oh, something something's happening here and it's too bad that sometimes we can get to that point where it's a physical manifestation a physical showing of what you're going through but that's where i got and then i knew i had to do something for myself i uh, i i feel like I, there's a very deep truth there that no human being can keep it up mm. you know in in every kind of dire thing people are working to change there's such a temptation to not care for ourselves because the problem that we're working on is so much bigger perhaps mm -hmm. than our own things but then we become useless eventually don't you think that was certainly the case for me and I may not have become useless, but I do know that I would have become sick. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that uh, a lot of women are culturally uh, socialized 
to move forward, whether they're sick or not. And so to just keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. And just, you know, and I know black women for sure in this country are always seen as very, very strong and not needing any help. And we see that in the medical system. Equating yeah. those two things, right? 100%. Strong is not needing any help. <laughs> yeah. But I think we feel like that sometimes too. You know, it, I think that it was really shocking to me when I looked up one day and I had a bald spot because I, and I was just like so stressed out. And at the time I was struggling with infertility stuff and I was trying to have a baby and all of these things, along with the fact that I was all day, every day investigating child abuse, you know, the worst. So, so yeah, so yeah, I had to take a look at that. Another level, you know, another loss, infertility is is a huge loss uh, for people who want to have babies, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a loss and it's also that feeling of helplessness and um, hopelessness and stuff like that, that, that goes along and also like shame, you know, like, why isn't this working or yeah. why did I wait so long, you know? It has anything to do with that, but yes. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a common um, place for our minds to go. Yeah, we ought to be able to make the right thing happen. Happen. You and I both know we can't. No. Nope. Let's go to a break and then and then uh, come back and go from there. Um, you can find me at the Good Grief homepage or at weatheringgrief.com, and to find. Um, to find Kenya, you can go to rubyenvywellness.com. Back after the break. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. 
Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Kenya Asa about her business, Ruby Envy Wellness, and how she came to work so deeply with um, girls and women um, healing their souls, I guess I want to say it that way. And um, we were we were just talking during the break about how each thing that happens builds on the last, if we're lucky, right. <laughs> to to uh, take us to the next step. So we were just at the point of you working in, in the Alameda County um, social services system. Mm-hmm. I would say probably uh, a particularly traumatized population. Just, you know, not probably like any big urban environment. You know, there's just a lot that, that happens to people and in uh, cities, isn't isn't there? One hundred percent. And you know, when I first started that job at the time, it was you know a little bit closer to you know the crack crack ep- epidemic, and there was a lot of that, and we had a lot of kids coming in that had been exposed, and and then a lot of families that had been separated and not knowing where the kids were, not knowing where their relatives, you know, they knew that somebody had a child or their niece or something like that, and just not being able to um, get a hold of who was in charge of that. So it was all, it wasn't just the kids, um, because oftentimes we the kids would be in a decent foster home or whatever, but it was all these family members that I would end up having to speak to about that loss you know and yeah it was awful in your first job working with trauma Mm -hmm. you were able to employ some techniques that you called spiritual Mm -hmm. uh um i'm I'm sure there's others (laughs) you were Mm -hmm. um yeah i wonder if it wasn't um much harder to integrate that way of looking at it into a governmental system that's such a great question that is such a great question and it was not possible Uh, mm -mm. (laughs) so so then it it occurs to me that that contributes to if the things you know work are not things you can use Mm -hmm. i would think that would contribute to burnout um, because you know there are things that help people in trouble, mm-hmm. but you're mm-hmm. allowed or uh, there's no space to actually bring them in. Absolutely true. 
Absolutely true. It's it's a very different dynamic. You know, it's a very different dynamic when you're, you know, at at my other job, I was there all the time. Sometimes I'd, I'd even spend the night because it was so far away from where I lived. It was like two or more hour drive to work every day. And so sometimes I would just spend the night, just sleep on the floor <laughs> because it sometimes I wouldn't get off till 10 o'clock at night. And so I'm like, I'm not driving home. And and it was, and also you have a lot more um, control over, you know, I would go to my boss and I'd say, hey, I want to do this. What do you think? Or she would say it was, you know, a lot of collaboration and she would say, well, how about this? And it felt a lot more personal, which is for certain my way, which is why I do what I do now. But in the, all of those years, I realized that that's my, that's how I'm more effective. And, and also I get less angry if I am like, I know I can do this. You know, I'm, I'm, maybe it's kind of being a control freak or whatever, but if I wanted to do things a certain way. I'm going to kind of argue with you there, Kenya, because healing happens in relationship. I agree. If you don't have the freedom to fully develop a relationship, you know, what you're talking about, spending the night here and there, being there all day, that's relational, isn't it? 100%, but you're not really allowed to do anything even close to that working, like you were saying, with a government agency. It's the, the rules are very, very strict and the goals of the agency are 100% different than the goals of like a smaller, more private, independent agency. Much more, I would imagine, much more crisis oriented, you know, patch it together mm. as quickly as possible and all of oh, that. Sure. Yeah. Move the case along quickly. Why do you have a stack of cases on your desk this big when they should be? And I'm like, well, I'm still doing this and I'm still trying to, you know, kumbaya everything. And they were like, move it along. You know, which isn't which is a um, an injury to the person who has to do that when they know there's more that could help. Uh, you have to accept that to do that work, certainly, and I'm sure you mm, or not or not. I, well, yeah, I was yeah. Eventually left. Yes, and I wonder if that propelled you, or was it a while? Here's my fantasy that you left and then realized you wanted to get back to that kind of relational work. But it could have been the other way around that you realized you wanted to get back to it and then left. I, I don't know how that process happened for you. you do you mean left the county? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So so it happened that I left and then I realized that I could run, but I could not hide. There was nothing I could do to get away from that work. No matter where I was, I would meet a teenage girl on the street corner that needed help. Or I would meet a teenager that had lost their baby to the system. And, and I'm like, I'm sitting up here trying to be on vacation. Why... Why, why did I just, why are you coming up to me? Why are you strange person coming up to me on a street corner and starting a conversation with me? And you just happen to be this population. 
That really makes me laugh because it's a big joke in my family that mm. if if I'm if I put the gas in the car, <laughs> get back in the car, I will know the full life story. The person at the next pump. It's I don't know what that's about, but people yep. I, serious people can feel when you're open. Yes, it's, and when you're in this field, when you're a therapist or a counselor or they but, somehow it why, they know yeah, but why um in particular traumatized teens would know to talk to you that doesn't matter where i am <laughs> it really doesn't i was at a um <clears throat> a women's business conference in santa cruz a couple of years ago and i met a woman there who's now one of my closest friends and you know, she, she you know, so anyway, as it turned out, she and I ended up helping this teenage girl whose baby had been taken from her and all of this stuff. And, and I literally said, how does this keep happening to me? <laughs> you know, like I can't go anywhere or do anything without there being some teenage girl. <laughs> so it, you know, and it was, and it ended up great. She was lovely and we went to court with her and I did her makeup for court and I covered all her tattoos on her neck. <laughs> I just, she looked like Mary Poppins by the time I was done with her, you know? And, um, and so it's just, I feel like everybody's got their place. Everybody's got their calling and the universe is going to send you your people, whether you like it or not. And so then you know your business today i've i've pretty thoroughly looked at your website you do lots of different things mm. all in the direction of um women finding their themselves their their authentic self mm. and i get the idea you've done that for yourself with the practices you've learned and you also obviously surrendered to that fact about yourself somewhere along the line because you invited more of that by writing right. a book for young women right 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 so uh did you hesitate or did you get to the point where you said well that's my deal you know if it's going to happen by accident I, maybe i'll do it on purpose H how did that come about for you well you're you're spot on um i I did think, I, I think when I first left the county, I said, you know, I don't want anything to do with any of this. You know, I I don't ever want to see a teenager again for as long as I live. <laughs> it's complicated when you're a mother. Right, I know. At the time, my child was not a teenager. Now he is. But there, I was just like, you know, I want to write and I want to teach yoga and then as the universe will have it i teach yoga and then people will come up to me after class to talk about their traumas mm -hmm. and i'm like wow and so yes open that up can't it yeah right i mean and so that's the thing i said exactly what you were just saying which is i just surrendered and said it is what it is this is this is obviously who you are 
it continues to happen um, all the time. And it's, it's, and it's great. I mean, it's obviously, I think that the, the journey for me is understanding that I don't have that all figured out for myself. I really don't. I, it's, it's a continuous journey. It's a continuous journey. And, and I have to be okay with that. You know, I have to be okay with saying, okay, sometimes I need to do the tools that I need to do for myself, like meditate. Um, you know, there's a big difference between Kenya that does meditate and Kenya that does not meditate, you know? And so I have to be able to um, do some self-reflection for myself if I'm going to help anybody else with that, um, with that journey. Thing. It, that circles back to the beginning of our conversation, doesn't it? That mm. that eventually you'll get out of balance if there isn't self-care. You can teach other people all kinds of things, but you got to right. do it. Yeah, 100%. And I'm just no good if I'm not. And, and also, and I know this is the case with a lot of women and people, <laughs> you know, all people, um, but particularly women, that's, that's what I am. And that's, you know, <clears throat> kind of my, my area mostly is that it's not always popular for us to take that time or for us to insist on taking that time, which is really, really the rub here is that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you know what you need. You know that you need to take time for yourself. You know that you need to go for walks or get away from people. You know, I grew up an only child. I have a sister and a brother now, but I grew up an only child. And that alone time for myself is incredibly important. One of my best friends got me a t-shirt that says, my alone time is for your safety. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it is so true because that is what I need. And one of the things I like to teach people is that it's okay. Whatever it is that you need to do to take care of yourself, do it. And if other people don't like it, oops, you know, if other people don't like it, it's, that's a shame, but that you don't sacrifice yourself in order to make other people really comfortable because women have been doing that for centuries and it's it's not good. And uh, my experience is it eventually backfires. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The fortunate news is that we can't keep that up forever. Mm -hmm. And you either shut down or you get angry at everybody or I'm not speaking of you personally. No, no, 100%. Yeah, you know. you're right. Yeah. So into this, uh, we're about to take our second break, but into this comes the illness and death of your very dearest friend, as I understand it. And yes. I know for myself, my, my wife being ill for a very long time um, and then dying, one of the things it really taught me is how caring for myself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is ironic because when the person you love so deeply is suffering of course it pulls for caring for them 
But I wonder if you have that in common with me that maybe your sense of the value of self-care actually increased during that experience. Yes, it's absolutely. And I think what happened for me, and I know we'll talk about this more after the break, but <clears throat> I became even more unapologetically um, careful of myself and with myself because I think of the things that I'm able to do for myself as kind of her being with me. Like I'm, anytime I do something, anytime I go somewhere that's really fun or I take a really cool trip, I think to myself, I'm doing this for the both of us because she's not here to to do this. So it and, gave you a yeah. mission too, um, where you have a, a a goal beyond yourself about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting because in grief, a lot of <clears throat> way they feel guilty for having good times and feeling happy mm, um yeah joy comes in grief it's not depression but mm -hmm. i it takes a while for people to say yes to that typically but it sounds like you got there pretty quickly maybe maybe not i got there yeah we'll talk about that more after our break um, because I think that's worth spending a, a good amount of time with. And listeners, you can go to weatheringgrief.com, my website, or the Good Grief Host page at Voice America to find everything about me and all the links, etc. To find Kenya Asa, go to her website, rubyenvywellness.com. Back after the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to BetterHelp.com dot com slash good grief that's betterhelp.com slash good grief and receive a 10 percent discount for the first month these days everyone is looking for information on staying young healthy and fit the voice america health and wellness network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you we talk about everything from diet fitness and aging to substance abuse personal growth mental health and much more learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives tune in to the voice america health and wellness network healthy living starts here Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. America Health and Wellness. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Kenya Asa about her healing practices and the work that she's done to um, support women and girls in trauma. And, and just right before the break, Kenya, you and I were beginning to talk about your dear friend. And I was, I was saying that I felt all the work that you'd done, both to learn about caring for yourself and other people must have come into play in that time. You know, eventually it's going to hit us personally. And um, the loss of someone that close, I've, I've read things you've written about her. You two were, I think you said in another universe, um, you would have been partners, but that that wasn't either of your, um, sexuality for want of any other way to put it sure and, sure and yet that was the level of your intimacy yes we always said we were soulmates her kids still say that we knew that about ourselves and we said you know even um you know we we used to joke and i know this is like gallows humor <clears throat> but we used to joke right ahead right um after her wonderful and beloved husband passed away um a couple of years before she did we would joke because we'd be like laying in bed watching law and order reruns or whatever and um and she would say you know now the only person left to go is your husband and it'll just be the two of us the way it was always supposed to be <laughs> the way it was always meant to be <laughs> That's so yeah, and so and so yes, for sure the um the most important person, you know, um obviously, I love my husband and my child, but there's a different it's a completely obviously different dynamic when it is your very best friend that knows every single solitary thing about you and and vice vice versa um that you've been through you know we've we met in nineteen ninety two. I believe. And so, um, and we became best friends the day we met and that was it. How old were you then, the two of you? Uh, 25 and I was 25 and she was 22 when we met. Uh, I was identifying and, and I can, I can see why I was, um, mm. because I met my wife when I was 16. Wow. Um, and we had every type of relationship mm -hmm. in the course of our lives. But um, when someone dies who's so elemental, mm. uh, I think a lot about what you lose in the picture of your future. Um, that, you know, it's obvious in what she said, she mm. anticipated being the last two standing. And I, I did always anticipate that as well. So 
it rocks you entirely to see that that is not the case. Um, well, she had, we had for years assumed that she would not be of the last standing. She had been battling or, you know, it had been off and on since she was three years old. So, and she didn't, she didn't um, pass away. It didn't finally get her till she was, I want to say she was 47, maybe. Um, so she had a, a lot of space and a lot of living that was done in between that time. But, you know, even, at, you know, the last several years, you know, she had one diagnosis after the other. And one time somebody is like, you have a year to live. And she, she ended up living like six more years. So we always said, you know, it's, it's probably going to go ahead and get you, you know, uh, the, the question is, you know, when, and, and so I was very fortunate that I had the opportunity to retire when I did, because then I got to spend all my time with her because she lived right down the street and we were together every day. So, you know, factored into, you know, you leaving working for the county and having that type of career or or was that also kind of a an intuitive leap that you weren't thinking about at the time i was thinking about it it would have happened regardless because by the time i did leave it had just become unbearable in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons that i will not get into here but it had i had definitely hit the wall when it came to that job and that career. And so I felt like, it, you know, and also too, even at, at the job, I would be communicating with her or I would leave meetings because she had, you know, had to go to the hospital or something like that. And so it just wasn't, to me, it just wasn't worth it. I just wanted to be more available you know, those, those last some years and thank goodness, thank goodness I was. It's, I, I get the feeling from you that whatever regret is, is just about the fact that she died and not anything about the way the two of you navigated that. Right. And that's yeah. me a great mercy that the people yeah. that are struggling with grief in, in the kind of can't move out of it way are often people with regret. Well, it, it was oddly empowering, I think, for us to be able to have conversations about it and about what her expectations were of me when she got the final word that this was it. You know, this was coming, you know, there were there were going to be no more reprieves. And so then we went about the business of what next and, you know, what she expected of me when it came to her children and, you know, what um, just uh, all of it, you know, making sure that her affairs were in order and and things like that. And so that part is empowering because we're all going to get to the end of the road, you know, and then do you want to make sure that you are 
leaving behind kind of things in the way that you would like to leave them behind. It's never, the aftermath is never going to be beautiful. It's never going to be what you wish it could have been. However, um, I don't have any regrets at all. And even during it, we had so many conversations during that time. And afterwards, I I thought to myself later on, oh, I wish I had asked her this. <laughs> I wish I'd asked her that, you know. Um, and even, you know, what's funny, Cheryl, is I had a dream about her and we had always joked, you know, she's like, you know, I'm going to come, I'm going to come back and communicate with you as a pit bull. And I'm going to scare you to death. And I'm like, please don't please like come land on me as a butterfly or something nice, you know, something that's not going to scare me. And so I had, and I had hoped that she would come to me in a dream or whatever. And then she did. And it was awesome because we spent a lot of time driving. We did all our grocery shopping together and we were, we did everything together, ran all of our errands together. And so we were always in the car and I drove and she didn't. And I had a dream that we were driving in the car. And I remember it was, it felt so incredibly peaceful. And I remember thinking to myself during this drive, I said, gosh, there's so many things I want to ask her. There are so many things I want to ask about the other side and, you know, and, and what's going on there. And, you know, just like, there are so many things, or am I doing this right? You know, is there anything else you need me to do, you know, for the kids or, you know, whatever. And I thought that in the dream. And then I said, no, I'm just going to enjoy this drive. And I'm just going to enjoy this time with her because I don't know how long it's going to last. And I don't know when I'm going to wake up from this, you know? And so we just talked like regular and, and it was really interesting because I could tell that she was looking at me like, we're just going to enjoy this. I know what you're thinking, but we're just, let's just hang out like normal, you know, it was nice. I get the impression of her as a very loving and kind person, mm. also honest. Mm -hmm. It's a, a rare and beautiful combination, isn't it? Uh, she I, was definitely the best, for uh, sure. Much better than me <laughs> in a, a lot of ways. Much more patient with other people and, you know, didn't have a mean bone in her body while I had several mean bones in my body. She didn't have a mean bone in her body, so... Uh, I was particularly struck when you were talking about in, in the piece uh, I read mm -hmm. uh, um, people telling her she was strong and um, her just letting that pass. Uh, it, it made me laugh because uh, my wife didn't let it pass. Over time, she learned to say, people would say, you're going to be fine. You're You're strong. And she'd say, I know a lot of strong dead people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. I'll catch people completely off guard, as you can imagine, because of the truth of it, because it wasn't mean. It was right. just people, you know. Right. right. It interrupted because she felt as if she ended up swallowing the the alienation of that statement. Right. Right. Well, I think that Erica would be she would be very patient with people with that. But 
then later on, she would be like, I wish people would stop saying that because I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this situation. And she would always say, "There's there are so many awful people in the world. Why does this have to happen to me? I'm a nice person, <laughs> you know? Oh, if we knew the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. I think you said in another piece something about um, sometimes we connect to God to be happy, you know, to to feel godness and other times to be accompanied in the terrible. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely true. Yeah. It's yeah. you you do you use what whatever power, higher power, spirituality, whatever that you can tap into to allow yourself to feel your feelings and lack judgment in your own feelings because we will have a tendency to judge how we handle difficult situations yeah and and that's natural you know 100 natural but it's useless it's that's it's complete waste of time and energy instead of just taking whatever that energy is and lifting us up you know but grief is grief i mean it's gonna happen however it's gonna unfold i had good days where i was like rah rah i've got this and then i've had bad days where i'm like like so dramatic you know like where you watch a, a an old black and white movie and there's a damsel in distress and she's like leaning against a wall and she slides to the floor and she's all like ah, that was me requirement requirement Number one, have those feelings, right? Yes. Have a, have a wall to lean up against. <laughs> and, you know, try to refrain from being mean to the people around you, but have the feelings. That mm -hmm. or, yeah. It's such a pleasure to spend this time with you. Uh, Mine too. We, we uh, have never had chats like this. We've had choir chats and... Yes. <laughs> makeup chats but yes we appreciated hearing more about your work thanks for coming on the show thank you so much for having me it's been so great go go find kenya at her website rubyenvywellness.com this has been good grief with cheryl jones i look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.